Food Podcast. I'm your host, Bunny Terry, and I'm joined by, by my co-host and producer, Johanna Medina, who also happens to be my daughter. Um, this morning, we talked to Nikki Ubaldini, who is a woman I met through Facebook. Um, we have a mutual friend, Brindley Tucker, who was formerly a podcast guest. And Brindley, um, this is a funny story about Nikki. Before we began, if you listen to Brindley's podcast, you know what an amazing person she is. But Nikki was her boss and fired her when um, Brindley was, um, she, you know, she tells us in her podcast that she had a, an issue with alcohol and almost killed somebody. And the next day she went into work and Nikki said, uh, you can't work for me anymore. They're now the best of friends, but Nikki is in the business of helping women change their lives. I mean, she, she changed her own life. She's a breast cancer survivor. She's an incredibly successful Keller Williams real estate broker, but she's, she's so many other things. And I'm, I, I, I got to tell you, after talking to her, I'm overwhelmed by the things that we heard. I, Johanna, tell me what you took away. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, so much. Um, I just, the whole time really we were talking to her, it, um, Gianna, our guest a couple of episodes ago, her quote was coming up to me that like, it's not coincidence, it's divine. Because so many of the things, um, you know, I just thought, whoa, how convenient and what a coincidence that we have Nikki on now after Gianna and after Daphne. And I was like, no, it's not a coincidence. Like this all was happening for a reason. And I think we are talking to these amazing women in this order for a reason. And, you know, having them brought into our life because um, so many of the things Nikki was saying really just pull back to all that, like the mind and body work and the connections to your mind and your body and staying, um, you know, how your, your mental health affects your physical health. Um, again, I, I had listened to you on her podcast. I had researched her, but I had no idea all the things she had been through. Um, her group, her women's group, the We Are Women Empowered, all the things that that she's accomplishing through that. It's just, and, and all the women she's empowering through that. It's just really, really amazing. Like, yeah, she's she was a great guest. And I kind of, I, <laughs> I pushed you to do this intro right away because I was like, oh, I just have so much to say about it. But yeah, she was amazing. Well, and I want to say one of the things that we talk about in this podcast is that Nikki made a really conscious choice not to, um, when she had breast cancer, not to get any sort of chemotherapy. She chose an alternate treatment. And, you know, this is sort of controversial. This, I'm in a lot of, um, especially stage four cancer groups online and and people go back and forth on this and people feel really strongly about whether you should seek treat uh, traditional treatment or not. And I want you to know that your journey, your cancer journey, your life journey is yours. We're just in the business yeah. of giving you ideas and options and especially, especially hoping that people get, we're all about the mind body connection. It's like Daphne talked about resilience um, th the way that you become resilient is through paying attention and treating your mind as, and your heart as though they're just as important. They, their, their health is as important as your, as your body's health, your physical body's health. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, a disclaimer to this episode that none of us on here are doctors. None of us are oncologists. Uh, um, Nikki is really just sharing her experience. And um, I think her biggest message is to be your own advocate, do the research as much as you can and ask questions. And, and especially because when you're dealing with cancer or any kind of medical diagnosis, it's scary and it's a lot coming at you quickly. It's a stressful situation. So anytime you can take a minute to slow down, um, you know, and kind of take it, take it in, you know, as slowly as you can, that's going to help you make better decisions, you know, talk to your doctors. If you're not comfortable, it's okay to fire your doctors and shop for another one. That's, that's your choice. You don't have to be stuck with the one you're given. Um, I mean, we've talked about kind of 
before, but we it didn't really get to mention in this episode that, you know, because of your cancer journey experience, um, I became a social worker and then later became a medical case manager for kids with chronic illnesses because it is such a crazy, um, you know, system and navigating the medical field is intense and you really just can't do it alone. So if you, you know, you mentioned if you have somebody that can be your advocate, you know, at least bring, bring a buddy with you if you can, cause it's, it's overwhelming. So I think that's the major message on this is just, you know, you don't always have to take the first option if you don't feel comfortable with it and, and definitely be your advocate. And also, but, but remember everybody is, every body is different. Every cancer is different. Every chemo is different. I think that's something we learned quickly with your cancer that I didn't know before is that, you know, chemo for breast cancer is not the same as chemo for colon cancer, or chemo for prostate cancer. Like it's all very different. I think if people just hear about cancer and chemo and, you know, like what you see in movies and stuff, you just think, Oh, there's one kind of chemo and we all get the same thing. And it's really not like that. So, um, just, it's just a lot. It's a lot of information to take in. Well, and the other thing that she's really clear about is that your question, 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 Mm -hmm. if you feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with something, and this is true of life, if you feel uncomfortable in a situation, there's a reason. Your Mm -hmm. body tells you when you may be in a situation that you need to, like, as you said, slow down, pay attention, advocate for yourself. I think the other thing that she speaks uh, speaks to very very succinctly is learning to forgive yourself and you're going to want to listen to that piece of it because when we aren't able to forgive ourselves for for what for something that we either perceive or that we actually did and um brinley talked about this a lot about having to learn to forgive herself for past choices Stay to the end because she Mm -hmm. makes a couple of statements at the end that I think are really important for learning to forgive yourself. Yeah, that's just, that's exactly what I was just going to say. I love every single one of our interviews, but the very end is always my favorite part when when our guests give their kind of takeaways, their practical advice. So yeah, stay till the end to hear what she, her, her big advice and her takeaways for, you know, what you can do right now to kind of, feel better no matter what situation you're in. So um, we'll just let her say it for herself and, 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 um, you know, stop talking for her, but it's a great episode. So it is. Thanks for being here. I, I'm so excited um, that today we're interviewing um, a friend of mine, Nikki Ubaldini, that I met I, through Facebook. Somebody connected us in some way. Nikki read my book. She invited me to be on her podcast. And I felt like we were immediate. Um, I don't know. I it felt like it felt like sisterhood in the best way because we, um, Nikki's a breast cancer survivor. And also a Keller Williams broker. Um, she's in the in South Florida, but more importantly, Nikki is in the business of helping women, I, empowering women. That's that's the name of her podcast. Is um, we are women empowered, and so today we could cover every topic in the world. But what? I hope to do is Nikki, I hope that you'll share some of your story, how you got here, and um, we'll just go from there. What do you think? All right. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast. You were awesome on mine, so it was wonderful that we got to meet. Um, I think God works in, in amazing ways, so he connects people that need to be connected. Absolutely. Um, Yes, 100%. Um, our, or my group is called We, you know, we, we, uh, Women Empowered or We Are Women Empowered. And um, I, I created this group uh, about uh, two and a half years ago. And it was after my, um, my diagnosis of breast cancer and um, through my treatment and all of that, um, what I discovered was um, 
we as human beings, especially women, tend to give up our power very, very quickly, very, very easily. Um, we give it to the doctors. We give it to whomever. We don't ask enough questions. We don't, we don't, you know, do our own research. We don't do a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying by any means, I think medicine is wonderful, but I think that we have to take our own health, our own well-being, our own physical self into our own hands. And that's our also our own mental health as well. Um, so what I discovered was my sister, just a short blurb, my sister was a, a double transplant recipient um, many, many, many years ago. She had received a heart and kidney and she was the world's greatest advocate for herself. Um, I watched her. She had her heart the same heart and the same kidney for 26 and a half years, uh, which was unheard of. She went, she worked full time as a vice president of an international company. She was not an invalid by any means. Um, we did lose her uh, three and a half years ago. Um, actually, we lost her 10 days, uh, 10 days after my diagnosis. But we didn't lose her to that. She something else was a complication of a surgery. And unfortunately, she ended up with sepsis. And that's what took her. But, you know, um, it was a beautiful thing. That was all wonderful. I mean, she was ready. She said she spoke to God and she was ready. So that's just and that's a whole nother story we could get into. And it was one. It was a beautiful lesson for me to be able to watch that and to see that peace. Um, so as I went through my my situation, I realized that it was deeper than a physical thing, that I had baggage. <laughs> I had been carrying a bunch of baggage around, you know, and, uh, and as, as women, we tend to do that. As humans, we tend to do that. Um, you know, I had buried stuff really deep thinking that I had let it go when I had actually not really let it go. Um, I honestly believe that I helped manifest my situation. Um, there's something called epigenetics. It's a, it's a science study that, um, our cells really do eavesdrop on our thoughts. Right. <laughs> and right. It's, right? it's one of our bold laws, right? Your cells eavesdrop yeah, on your thoughts. Absolutely. Um, and they really do. It really does. You know, what you say to yourself, what you think about, um, you know, the, the emotions that you've gone through, if you don't really completely purge them or release them, they can do harm to us. Doesn't always happen that way, but it, it can. That can turn into a physical situation. Um, you know, you've heard people say, "Well, you know, I don't know why I'm sick. I can't get seem to get better. I don't know why I'm sick." And sometimes, if we dig a little deeper, it might not be a physical thing that's causing them to be sick. It is more of a an old trauma or emotional situation, and that's what they're discovering with this epigenetics. They've been doing these studies for 25 years. But they're realizing now how important the mind-body experience is. You know, the mind has to be connected. And Bunny, that's what I loved about your story is that you you stuck to gratitude the whole time. And even days that it was tough, you found the gratitude, the little things to be grateful for, which your mind had a lot to do with the miracle of your healing. Um, because our bodies do listen to what our mind says. It listens to what our subconscious is telling us. So I discovered that I had a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, um, a lot of hurt that I had buried through the years. Um, and I had fooled myself into believing that I had really, really forgiven. And, um, and, it, and it showed up. It, it manifested in, in physical ways. I mean, during my treatment phase, um, I was doing a, a more of a natural course because I was caught very early. Um, I did have surgery and, um, I chose to go the natural route more because it, uh, it was not necessary for me. I had no lymph node involvement. Thank you. Thank you, God. Cause it was very early, but I did a nine week course of uh, IVs with a MD, um, to strengthen my body, my immune system, but halfway through it, um, well, in the very beginning, I chose to do reconstruction, but my body rejected the reconstruction. Um, it, it, it did not want anything to do with, with the expanders. And interestingly enough, about a year later, they 
um, they pulled from the market those expanders and the implants that they were planning on putting inside of me or the implant. Yeah. So it, it was, a, I don't know, God thing. You can call it whatever you want, but uh, it, I felt it. I, I, I wept in thankfulness when I saw that because I had chosen just to get on with my life and, and think about it later. Um, but shortly after that, my doctor, they did the blood work every week and uh, Tuesday blood work, Thursday, the results. And my liver enzymes just kept climbing, 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 climbing. And there was no reason for it. There, there was no, I wasn't on any medications. I wasn't, there was nothing that should be, had been causing that. In fact, they should have been coming, you know, in very much in line. And the doctor spun around to me and he looked me square in the eye and he said, I have one question for you. Who or what are you angry with? And I was like, whoa. I mean, it was like, whoa. I felt like he punched me between the eyes. And I just, I took a deep breath and I sat there for a minute. And it was like, I'm getting goosebumps because I can recall the moment so much, so well. I could feel it roll up from my feet. It came, it rolled, this feeling rolled up and it just came flying out of my mouth. I said, I'm angry at myself. And I said, no, I'm not just angry. Excuse me on the podcast. I'm pissed off is what I said. I am pissed off. And he says, well, what are you, what are you angry about? You know, you're angry about your surgeries or you're angry about the reconstruction failure. What are you angry about? <clears throat> and I said, you know, I'm angry because I feel like I have taken care of everybody else for the last 10 to 20 years. Um, and this is where I got myself. It's not their fault. This is I got myself here and I'm angry at myself. And he looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do to forgive yourself? And wow. I said, wait, that, that's a, that's, that's a huge you never, statement. <laughs> you never hear that from a doctor either. That's not no, really there. No, it was so, well, he's big time. I mean, he wrote a book that he believes cancer is the symptom and that a lot of times it's emotional result. Um, but anyways, when he said that to me, I'm thinking, okay, give me a hint, help me. How am I going to forgive myself? He spun me around and said, I'll see you next week. Cause it was Thursday. I'll see you on Monday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have now, I mean, I have this bombshell that has just fallen on me and I know I need to work on it. So, um, there's lots of ways you can do that, you know, through prayer, meditation, things like that. But I, I hadn't learned those techniques yet because I was the lady that hit the floor and was running. Uh, I didn't know how to be. I was always doing. Um, and that was a really tough place to be. So um, I had read a book, um, a woman uh, by her name was Kathy Brown. It was called My Answer to Cancer. And she was a melanoma survivor she had gotten melanoma in her early 30s and had basically been sent home to die they basically said to her there's nothing else we can do for you she's in australia you, you know you've got two small kids go home and enjoy the time you have left with your family and uh, get on with your life and uh, she thought oh heck no you're not going to tell me and so she sought out you know a natural since they told her she wasn't a candidate for chemo or any of that she sought out a naturopath who said immediately, I'm going to detox your body, put her on a special diet, blah, blah, blah. Well, she wrote the book 26 years later. <laughs> so she's still with us today. And of course, I read the book, what, three years ago. So it's almost, you know, 20, it's almost 30 years. She's still alive, well, and never had a reoccurrence, which is just remarkable. It's a miracle in itself. But one of the things she really learned through that was that she had to deal with the emotional piece and that the releasing of negative energy. And she got she started to learn something about it's called Reiki, uh, Reiki healing and um, and different techniques, tapping and, you know, techniques to help you. And it's not we're not talking talk therapy. Talk therapy sure. just keeps taking you in a circle. We're talking actual release techniques and. Um, so I reached out to a, a dear friend of mine who I knew was a, um, a coach, a life coach. And I said to her, do you, who do you know that's a great Reiki master that I might 
uh, reach, you know, talk to. Now, this friend didn't know what I was going through at this time. And she comes back in her text message, uh, other than me, um, I could recommend somebody for you. And of course, I laughed. I said, are you kidding me? She said, no. And she told me that she had a feeling something wasn't right with me. And that when I had texted her, she said she was sitting in her car and she looked up and she said, okay, God, thank you. I, I knew that you would bring her to me eventually. So she came over and she started working with me. Um, uh, she taught me different techniques. Um, she brought me this book called Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die. And uh, that has become a huge part of uh, my life. And I thought it was something that I, I felt I needed to teach other women that it was okay to let go of things um, and not to carry that baggage around because it might manifest itself into some way that nobody, you don't want it to. And so she literally did a Reiki session. We did some technique stuff. We worked on a lot of thought processes and then she did a Reiki healing. And she said to me, I've never pulled so much energy off of somebody in my life. I, I've done this a long time. And she said it was unbelievable. It was like you were just letting it fly. And um, so I, that was on Saturday. So Tuesday I had blood work. Guess what? Thursday, enzymes drop. Next week, blood work again. By two, two weeks, enzymes were perfectly normal. So there is a connection, <laughs> um, you know. So that's kind of my story in, in, in the nutshell is how I got to where I got to. And then I started thinking. And actually, it was that same doctor who said to me, you know, have you ever thought of, a, of starting a woman's group um, to help other women? Um, because he saw me doing all the work that I needed. Because at this clinic, they did the emotional healing pieces. They did all kinds of uh other therapies um, with it and um, and I you know I, he kind of planted that seed and as I as I came through the process um, Priscilla the one who who is my, my partner in crime on, on my interviews she encouraged me to tell my story because a lot of people didn't know um, and it would empower a lot of women to make different choices in their lives um, I lost 45 pounds. Um, I'm in the best physical shape I've been in in a long, long, long time of my life. Um, so I not only lost physical weight, I lost emotional weight. I lost, uh, you know, I learned how to meditate daily. I've learned how to um, to just be, to sit and be quiet, um, which is not something I've le had learned before. Um, and so. My lifestyle has changed dramatically to reduce the stress, to reduce the, the hurry, and to just know and trust that everything will be okay. So I wanted to teach that to my ladies. And uh, so we put it out there. We were going to do it. In our first group, we had 100 women show up. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I mean, obviously, the women were hungry for something for them. And um, so, yes, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. So we teach them how to heal physically, emotionally, spiritually. We have doctors that come and talk. We have, you know, uh, people like Priscilla who teach. We have, you know, everything from kinesiologists, chiropractors to MDs to weight loss doctors to, you know, doctors that do all kinds of things. Um, we've even done one on medical marijuana um, for those that have chronic pain things like that. So that's what it's all about. That's what our we is all about. We're empowering women to share their stories. And um, right now, our, our theme right now is breast implant illness. Um, uh, so I just interviewed a cancer survivor um, who had a double mastectomy, had breast implants, and realized shortly thereafter she didn't feel right and for nine years had been sick with all kinds of crazy things um, and finally had a doctor who said, you know that this could be the problem. And it uh, turns out she had ruptured, they had ruptured inside of her. Uh, it was just a mess. Um, and uh, she just had reconstructive surgery, um, doing a, a superior gluteal flap where they take it from your backside and they they made breasts for her and they removed that 
other stuff, but she's still detoxing all of that stuff out of her. And I have another interview coming up with a woman who chose breast implants purely cosmetically and had been, had been sick for 20 years um, and just had hers removed. And literally she took a picture of her eyes um, before the surgery and they were yellowed, red, you know, they just weren't clear. They weren't bright. Um, and 48 hours after the surgery, she took a picture and her eyes were white. The eyes, the whites were bright. Her eyes were bright. That's how fast her body reacted to those things being out of her. Um, I, and I would say, um, I work with, with the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico. I speak a lot with the, I talk to our social worker all the time and she's a breast cancer survivor. And she, I, I first of all want to say, I don't have any judgment about what people choose to do with their body. But if you've, she said that in so many instances where, uh, you know, first of all, you get breast cancer, you have this incredible stress, um, you, your surgeon frequently speaks to you about reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And in this moment of stress, you may agree to do something that isn't necessarily the best choice for your body. And she Absolutely. said to me at one point, our social worker who's been doing this for 30 years, working with cancer patients, she said, I sometimes wish that our surgeons would back off on the reconstruction question for a while, you know, let people process where they are, let them process that they are, they're going to have a mastectomy. Um, they, maybe they want reconstruction, maybe they don't, but the idea that you have to do it at the moment of your mastectomy, it gives, gives women this idea that I got to make this choice at this time when I'm not good at making any other choices other than getting well. Right. And she said, there's a huge percentage and you probably know the numbers better than I do of cases where that reconstruction is is almost as destructive as the disease was in the beginning. So I I think it's a topic that we want to we want to give people links to. Obviously everybody has to make a personal choice, but it's an important topic to talk about. It's it's yeah. Uh, it's very very important. Well, before you said it earlier, Nikki, I didn't even think about uh, a rejected reconstruction. I never even thought that that happened, you know, because I just thought, oh, you know, implants and reconstruction, it's just like people do it all the time mm -hmm. and it's been around for a while. And uh, so I don't, I mean, maybe because well, I'm naive, but like, I think most people don't know that all those risks. So that's that is true. And like you said, Bonnie, when you're in that moment, it was like drinking from a fire hose. And I it know is. you experienced it that is. same thing. And they come at you fast and furious. And in the, and you know, the doctors are doing the best they can, you know? Um, and there, there is a little bit of a CYA for some, for some situations too, from the doctors. Cause you understand people don't want to be accountable for their actions sometimes. So they want to blame the doctor later. And that's not the case either. Um, but the thing that I found is, is that most women, the women that I've talked to that are, that are breast cancer survivors is that all they want is normalcy again. Right. So if you're going to remove my breasts, just make me somewhat normal again. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, the woman with one breast or the woman with no breasts. I, I want to be normal. So, and as, and as women are younger and younger having breast cancer, it's even more, it's even more prevalent. So uh, women who would not normally have a double mastectomy, um, but because of their age, that they'd said that women up to 50 are much higher likely to have a double mastectomy with a very, very small tumor um, versus um, a woman who's over 50, who's more likely to just have a unilateral and just take care of the one situation and, and not worry about the other. Um, so it's, it is, there's a lot of pressure, like you said, Bunny, a lot of stress. And the, my goal with women is to say, slow down, breathe, ask more questions, ask more questions. And, um, we don't ask enough questions of our doctors. We don't ask enough about, you know, what does the future look like or what, what are the risks or what are these things? 
just so that you know, the implants and the expanders that were removed that were removed from the market, recalled from the market, was because they were also causing anaplastic large cell lymphoma. Oh my lord! <laughs> so there's they discovered women across the the nation were. So whether a woman was was replacing her breast because she had breast cancer or just trying to enhance herself, they were ending up with another cancer. So, you know, as a cancer patient, the last thing you want to do is trade one cancer for another. And we're talking about a lymphatic cancer, which is the entire body. It goes through the entire body system. You know, it's a right. form of uh, lymphoma. And um, so it's, uh, it's a very interesting thing our society has gotten into, it's more about how we look versus how we feel. And, and our medical profession is willing to, in my opinion, cross that line. Um, I'm talking cosmetic surgery, sure. cross that line to encourage it without even having the discussion. So as I said, I made the decision when, my, when it rejected my surgeon said, well, you have two options. We can remove it, replace it, and you can, but you'll have to stay in the hospital for five days just to make sure that there is no infection or whatever, or we can remove it, you can completely heal, and then we can start reconstruction later. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, what would you do? She said, if I were you, I would remove it, heal, and then she goes, there's no time frame in which we need to do this, which is what you're talking about, Bunny. I wish right. in the very beginning. Uh, there's no time frame in which we must need to do this. So I said, okay, I had some trips planned, things I wanted to do. The last thing I wanted to be is, you know, attached to that, all of that stuff. So um, I went ahead and did, you know, my life, uh, almost, almost a year, about eight months went by and I was back in her and I'm, now I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready. I feel physically good. I'm ready to maybe do this. And I you know, said, remind me of how it's going to work, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the meantime, before she arrived in the office, there was a little card, literally, literally this small, sitting in the corner of, on the table of her office. And it was the warning for the breast implants. It was the warning for the anaplastic large cell lymphoma that it had been determined that it might be a cause for this and blah, blah, blah. So I happened to read it that day and I said to her, I asked her, she goes, oh yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's only, it's only a few hundred women have died. Oh. <laughs> At the time it was 400 and something women had died. No big um, deal. No big deal. And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean no big deal? Okay. Uh, she said, well, it's treatable. It's treatable. I said, yeah, treatable. Yeah, with chemo, it's treatable. Yeah. Well, I mean, buddy, you went through chemo. It's That's not a dream thing. I mean, it's oh, not no, no. <laughs> You don't want to sign up for it either. <laughs> well, and, and we're talking, we're talking about an enhanced uh, or, or a reconstruction that is to rebuild a body part that you had removed because it was, I mean, this is such a complex issue because there's really so, is. there's so much about our bodies as women that we're taught determine our value or, mm -hmm. or how the world sees us. Um, and your I, identity. Like absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm um, Nikki. I recently was privileged enough to have a woman at, at a party of mine. She just showed up. She's a, she's a, a celebrity out there in the world, but her name is Tanya Katan, T-A-N-I-A, and her last name mm -hmm. is K-A-T-A-N. She's written a recent book that's that's incredibly popular called Creative Trespassing, but she wrote a first book that was called My One Night Stand with Cancer, and Tanya was 23 when she was, if, I'm, I may get the age wrong, it may have been 24, when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer. And she had a mastectomy then and chose to not have reconstruction. And then, and then she was diagnosed 10 years later and had the other breast. She had another mastectomy. So she had a double mastectomy. Let me tell you, Tanya Katan is so cool that she's, she ran some, if you look her up, she, she ran a couple of races where she ran topless 
And they were Susan G. Komen races where she said, uh, this, this is what it looks like to be healthy and to be okay with not having my breasts. And, and Love it's, it. it's so, it's such a complex issue, but if people don't understand that they're, they're replacing one, so you're moving towards healthy, right? And then you do something that moves you back into a state that could be unhealthy. It's a personal choice, but you got to be fully informed. Yeah. And when you and I talked about how doctors operate, it's the mm -hmm. same way we, I mean, we, we talked about how it's like realtors, you know, we sell a house yeah. a day or three houses a month or something. So we're doing this every single day. And yet the people we're serving, this is the only one they're going to buy. It's the only house. Then you guys stick with me for a minute, listeners, because there's a point we, we in our profession do this all day long. And so right. we tend to say, just keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Let's get you to closing. That's how doctors are. They're going to see 30 patients today. Mm -hmm. You're just one. You have to remind them that this is the only time you've ever had cancer. Right. This is your illness. Yeah. This is important. They have to stop and listen and not be thinking about the next patient who's coming in the door. And they're not used to patients stopping them and questioning them. Um, my oncologist, who is also a woman, um, you know, she, they make it seem like it's no big deal. Right. And, and, you know, um, I'm sorry, but chemo is a big deal. I don't care what kind of chemo you have. It's a big deal. It's tough on the body. It's tough on you emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever you want to say. And financially. She, financially. Yes, yeah. everything. And she says to me, um, well, you know, um, okay, so it all depends on the size of the tumor. And um, I'm like, okay. And she's like, so here, here's how it works. Five millimeters or less, no, no lymph node involvement. There's no treatment. Okay. All right. Because I'm having a full mastectomy. She said, but anything over five millimeters um, and or lymph node involvement, then, then, there's, then there's chemo. And I said, okay, well, let's just say it's larger than five millimeters and there's no lymph node. So talk to me about there. What about, what are this five millimeters? Oh, it's an arbitrary number. It's an arbitrary number, she kept saying. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. Arbitrary, that's not, that's not computing in my brain. And well, I said, I'm not an arbitrary person. Yeah, and, and chemo then, is not arbitrary. Well, then she says, well, it's a light course. It's a light course. And I'm like, okay, well, what does a light course of chemo mean? Well, you know, you lose your hair. Okay, big deal. Your hair comes, grows back, right? She goes, um, well, and you know, you could have neuropathy of your hands and feet. Um, and um, well, um, this particular kind, we have to do an echocardiogram every week before you have it because it could give you heart failure. Um, and, and like, but it's not, but it's a light course. It's a light course. I'm literally, this is what she's saying to me. My husband's sitting across the room looking at me like, and so um, my daughter at the time happened to have been doing research work with the National Institute of Health. And um, so she knew where to go. She's a microbiologist, biochemist, and she knew where to go to find the research. And um, she, so she happened to find this research that was basically saying that this particular chemo, um, the ultimate side effect that they were not sharing with me was ovarian cancer. That many women develop ovarian cancer 10 plus years down the road as a direct result of this particular chemo that they wanted to do. Um, she also found from the National uh, Journal of Oncology, their own journal that said women who had stage one uh, breast cancer with no lymph node involvement, regardless of the type of cancer that it is, regardless of whether it's, you know, um, triple negative, HR2 positive, doesn't matter. Um, regardless, they should not receive chemo because the benefits, there is no benefit uh, to that, to the person, there is no scientific evidence that it extends or prolongs the life. In fact, it actually causes potential physical issues that are not related to the cancer 
that can cause the person to have more issues. This is their own journal, okay? Um, and a study came out that later that they, you know, New York Times, big thing in the newspaper, you know, stage one, same thing. That was, they actually became a national study. But at the time, you know, she was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, on my way to my oncology appointment after my surgery, um, they called me to tell me that it was six millimeters. And, um, and no, so lymph I, notes. no lymph node, no lymph node. And it was clear. It had clear margins, everything. Everything was good. And she says, um, well, we got, we got, we got chemo. And she's like, she was like this whirlwind crazy lady. We got to get you scheduled. We got to do that. I'm going out of the country. I want the schedule. I want you started. Da, 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 da. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, are you telling me a millimeter? My thing, my finger uh, nail width is going to make the difference. You're telling me I have that many more cancer cells running around in my body for a millimeter than I did you know, at five millimeters. And she's like, well, no, but you just have to do it. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's standard of care. Standard it's protocol. Of protocol. It's protocol. Standard. Yeah. And I was just like, don't use those words on me, standard of care. So um, she said, well, if you want a, a second opinion, you can go to this other cancer center. I'm thinking, well, they're going to tell me the same thing because it's standard of care. So we leave there and my husband, I look at my husband, I said, I'm not doing that. And he says, I know you're not, but we're going to do it smart. We're going to reach out to our medical professionals. We're going to talk it through. We're going to find out our options. We're going to check and make sure that we're not going to put you at risk. And he, you know, he slowed me down a lot. He was a great resource. Um, so we, we did, we did all of our research and all of that came up. We found this actual study that was done. Um, and so when I went to my surgeon, my breast surgeon to, um, he thought he was going to be putting in a port and I said, I'm not doing chemo. And he said, Oh, okay, well tell me why. And I told him that, you know, we had done our research and I showed him the research that we had found. And he's like, Oh my goodness, I know that doctor, that doctor, that doctor, that doctor. And he said, can you send me that? And I said, yes. And then we got talking and he said, well, do you know where the five millimeters came from? And I said, no. He goes, well, it was the number where women were willing to tolerate cancer, chemo. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And, he, and I said, you know, but the side effects, the risks, he said, well, you're right. I just pulled some people off of chemo. You know, he was my uh, surgical oncologist. I just pulled people off because they're losing the use of their hands and their feet. And I said, and, but the thing that nobody told me, not you or my oncologist, was the risk of ovarian cancer. And he goes. So, and so they knew oh, that and they just. Oh, they knew that. They just didn't tell you that. So, so scary. Because it's standard of care. So I do want, I, I want to do a tiny little disclaimer here because I think it's important, you know, if somebody is listening and they're mm -hmm. in the middle of chemo and they've Correct. made, I want to say everybody's journey is different, but Correct. your and journey, every chemo is different. every chemo is different and every cancer Absolutely. is different. So I don't want anybody to feel like we're saying, oh my gosh, never, never, never get chemo. Oh no, chemo. absolutely not. I mean, well, if I had needed it, by all means, I would have done it. Absolutely. But it wasn't necessary. So that's what my, that was my message. And that's my message. Ask more questions, do more research, find out what is absolutely necessary and what is not necessary. We don't need to put our bodies through more than what it needs to go through. Mm -hmm. um, if I had had lymph node involvement, there would have been no doubt, no question. It would have just been part of the process. Okay. Right. Um, but I, what I'm trying to share is that once again, they come at you so fast. You're in this emotional state. You're not thinking right. You do whatever you're told to do. And sometimes it can be a detriment to you. Um, now, here's the kicker, though. When I went back to the oncologist, she comes in the room and says, I know, I know, I know you're not going to do chemo. And she says, and actually, I'm proud of you. Oh, no, she did and not. I'm thinking, oh, she did. And I'm thinking, who is this woman and what has she done with my doctor? And she says, and I said, well, you're proud of me. Why are you proud of me? She said, well, most women do chemo out of fear and you're not doing chemo out of fear. 
And my fear is that I'm chemoing hundreds of women that don't need it. That so, so so the message is be your own advocate and and you know I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say somebody in my family ha- their mother is is ill um and they can afford to pay a patient advocate sometimes if you can afford to pay a patient advocate you know mm-hmm. especially if you're far away Right. Um, if you can afford to pay a liaison or a patient advocate, that's an important. And if and if somebody you love isn't able to be that for themselves, right. then see if you can get a patient advocate for them because mm-hmm. it's really important to have somebody who not only is able to ask questions, but I I think you know e- Johanna was my my caregiver, but at the time, because she's my daughter at the time that I was sick, not only did we maybe miss some questions, but you also are bombarded with so much information and you're so emotionally involved that you almost, we took a third person with us. When we went to chemo orientation, we took a note taker. I, you know, I talk about her in the book. My cousin Jennifer went with us a lot to take notes because in this in this medical process, you got to know which questions to answer, and then you have to take a lot of notes because you're going to walk out of those appointments saying, "I don't even know what day of the week this is, much mm-hmm. less what what neuropathy is." Or you right. know, you've there are so many factors, and and I, you know, Nikki, you're doing. I I so appreciate what you're doing in empowering women to feel strongly about their own health care, their own health, their own well-being, their their mental health. I it's this is such important work you're doing. It's you know, I just want women to know that we all we all owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to our children to watch us be that advocate. My sister taught me how to be an advocate and I was actually her medical surrogate to the very end. Um, And I knew how to advocate for her because she asked questions. You don't survive 26 and a half years with the same heart and kidney by doing standard of care treatment. I'm sorry, you don't. She questioned everything and she was not difficult. She was just a smart woman who slowed things down and said, no, I wanna do my own research. And there were many times Things that they wanted to do to her were very contradictory or medicines were contradictory to what they were trying to accomplish. And she would recognize that and then question them on it, which would then make them go back and go, oh, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Because they get so into this is my protocol. This is my cookbook of how I handle each medical thing and everybody's body is different so you know she knew how you know certain drugs reacted in her body and how certain drugs didn't she knew what they were trying to accomplish and so i learned that from her and i'm very very thankful because i could hear her voice through the whole my whole treatment everything ask more questions ask more questions you know why are they doing that why are you doing this why why And you're right, having an advocate with a pad of paper, taking notes, I would take notes, my husband would take notes. um, And it was interesting because we'd compare notes and he'd hear things that I didn't hear, you know? And that's because as you know, Bunny, you shut down when, when you're, you know. So if you have a family member and maybe you don't have the financial means, you can be the advocate, Um, you know, Doctors aren't gods. I, I, I have some of the most amazing doctors in my life and I love them dearly, um, but they're not gods. And unfortunately, some of them think they are. <laughs> some of them think they are, you know, or they have an ego that's bigger than what needs to be and they don't like to be questioned. Bernie Siegel, who wrote the book, uh, Love, Medicine and Miracles, he talks about the three types of patients. He talks about how um, there's a a small percent of patients that regardless of what their diagnosis is, 
um, they've already made a decision they're not going to make it. And he said, even though they might have the simplest of situation, whether it be cancer or something else, they've already made an emotional decision that eh, they're just, you know, whatever, you know, do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm probably not going to live anyways. And that's their attitude. He says, and unfortunately, it's a small 10 to 15 percent, but there's nothing you can do to save those patients. He said, then there's the middle patients, the middle group, which is the fattest group. And he said, and it's about 70 to 80 percent of the of the world, he said, and of the patient base. And they just want to be good patients. Uh, they don't ask questions. They don't challenge the doctor. They uh, do whatever the doctor says, whether it feels good or not, whether they whether they're, you know, their intuition says, mm, I don't know. Even if they're having horrible side effects, they'll keep going through it because they they don't want to question the doctor. They want to be good patients, he said. Um, and, you know, those, you know, a more about 60 to 70 percent of those will survive um, by doing that. But there will be those that will that won't because they didn't question or, or whatever. He says, and then there's that very small group at the top. That's about five to 10 percent, he said. And for most doctors, they call them the difficult patients. <laughs> he says, and for a doctor like me, I call them a breath of fresh air. There are the patients that are fully involved in their, in their wellness care. They're fully involved in their treatment plan. They're asking questions. They're challenging the doctor to think outside of the box to, you know, to really stretch their medical knowledge. Um, and they are, 100% those people survive, he says. It doesn't matter how bad they are sick. It doesn't matter the, how horrible their diagnosis is. Those people have always survived, he saw. Um, and that's that was amazing, his, his book. Well, and that, that sort of brings us full circle back to what we started at, which is that our bodies listen to what our minds say. Mm -hmm. And if my mind says I'm involved in my own wellness and I have a right to be healthy, then it seems that what you're saying and what Siegel says is that that gets us back to healthy. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, in your book, you know, Bunny, that's what I loved about your book. You said it never crossed your mind that you weren't going to be here. You know, that you weren't going to get through this. You, you just, you just move forward. And that's what I, you expected to survive and thrive. And um, the woman that I just interviewed on my podcast who had uh, triple negative uh, which is a very deadly right. form of uh, breast cancer right. in her early 40s. I think she was 41 or 42 at the time. Um, and she said to us that she had a nurse who said to her, well, this is the worst kind you can get. You know, women die from this every day. Sometimes medical professionals don't think what comes out of their mouths. Yeah. Somebody she, told mom, your cancer might not even be treatable. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. And she just blocked it out. And, you know, she did work with somebody who helped her, uh, you know, that worked with cancer patients and survivors who said to her, you need to expect to live. Okay, you need to expect to be healthy. When you start talking like that and you start behaving like that, your body listens and it will respond to you. Well, she's nine. She's nine years out uh, from triple triple negative breast cancer, and nice. she's it's a it's a bravo wonderful thing. Um, and you know, she's a beautiful, bright, you know, energetic, amazing woman who's sharing her story and her journey. And this new technique of, of a way to replace a woman's breasts, um, you know, without putting foreign objects in your body, um, you know. So it's it's really an interesting thing that there's there are doctors out there who will take the time and listen. And then there's doctors who won't. And, you know, if you're feeling like you're not on the same page with your doctor, then find a new doctor. That's my motto. You know, if, if you're not and I don't mean, you know, you, you know, you're poo pooing their medical advice. I'm not saying that. 
there is a mind connection. There is a, a values connection. There is a belief connection. And um, she she found that, that she had a couple of doctors that while she had respected them, she knew in her gut that they were not on the same page as her. And they had pretty much, you know, had an expectation of what was what bad was going to happen versus what good could happen. And Bunny, you talked about that with the doctor who was your surgeon. And I love Dr. C. All right. Was it Dr. C? I, I mean, I fell in love with him and I don't even know him. I fell um, in love with him. In he's easy to fall in love with. <laughs> he was really. But you had a doctor like that. But mm -hmm. I, I had a lot. Yeah. I, I had a lot of them except that first one who did my colonoscopy and walked out into the room and said to Johanna and my parents, we don't even know if this is treatable or not. And and luckily, that's not somebody that I ever had to see again. But I, so I, you know, Nikki, we're going to have to talk again because I want to yes. know what the Empower Group is doing. But I, I heard this great quote yesterday. I, I listened, you know, like you probably, I listen to hundreds of podcasts all the time. But I heard Glennon Doyle, who's amazing in her own right, but she was talking about the difference between people who are lucky and people who aren't. And we know that people who are lucky really are just people who are prepared, who right. have imagined, who know what they deserve. And she said, we become the life we imagine for ourselves. Wow. How and, and the reason I have it is because I, you know, I now have an app on my phone where I can, you know, it, I speak and it transcribes what I, and I, and I heard that on the podcast. It was the good life project. And I heard her say that, and I thought, it's so true for everything we do. It's, you know, you and I have been taught in real estate that, you know, if we just set goals, if we just, if we set an aiming point, that's where we'll end up. But I think that people who find themselves in the midst of illness or maybe, uh, you know, it, these are all complex issues, you mm -hmm. know, domestic violence, a bad marriage, a bad right. relationship. Right. The first step you have to do is, is um, figure out what you deserve and then start imagining yourself in a different place because mm -hmm. your body really does listen to what your brain is thinking about. And when you... And I know this because I've been in those places. When I was yeah. in the midst of those relationships, I would think, I, 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 you know, the reason the reason I'm in my third marriage is because I'm so bad at marriage. Well, it wasn't that I was bad at marriage; it was that I was bad at choosing. Yeah. But I got better. I started imagining that I deserved a different life. And when you and I were sick, we both imagined ourselves right. as getting through it and getting well. There are a lot of steps in the middle. Absolutely. But what we say to ourselves matters. You know, Shad Helmsetter says what you what you say, to, you know, what, what do you say when you talk to yourself? Um, you know, that is why daily affirmations. Um, I talk to my body every day, daily. I mean, I actually had COVID about a month ago and um, I talked to my body the whole time and it was very minor. It was like, a, um, and, and I'm not, it's a, it's a nasty virus. It's a horrible thing that's happening out there. And I believe because I have, I was prepared in the sense that I'm already doing amazing things with my body through supplementation and all of these other pieces that I'm doing. My immune system was strong enough to just basically make me feel like I had a head cold. Um, so, you know, I did talk to my body every day. I still talk to my body every day. I talk to my mind, you know, life isn't perfect. And we, we will find things that um, will pick at ourselves. And like you said, you made a statement that I, I wasn't good at marriage. We, well, well, we make those statements without even really realizing what we're saying. So we have to listen to what we're saying um, through devotion, through prayer, through meditation, through being quiet, through affirmations. We can change our lives, as you said. We can change the trajectory of our lives. And this is what I wanted to empower women with. I wanted them to know that they matter, they count, they're important, and they need to love and nourish themselves. And self-care is not selfish. 
it's selfless. Wow. We take care of people if we can't take care of ourselves. I'm writing that one down. Self-care is not selfish. It's selfless. Yes. Because it empowers us to take care of ourselves and others. Yeah. Well, think about it. You're a mom. As a mom, we, we, we take care of everybody. You know, we, we take care of, you know, um, I was the caretaker of the house, of, of all my whole family. Uh, I was the youngest, but I still took care of it. My mother reached to me for everything. Anytime anything went wrong, it was Nikki will fix it because I'm a fixer. But I also had to learn that I can't fix everything and that sometimes people have to fix their own messes um, and it's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. I can still love them through it. Um, and there's a great, uh, there's a great Hawaiian prayer. It's called the Ho'oponopono. And it's, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this is happening. And for some reason I've been brought, it's been brought to me. Please forgive me for anything that I've done to help contribute to this situation. Um, I love you. I'm surrounding you with love and thank you. I'm honoring you. Thank you, God. And it's a, it's a, it's an amazing prayer. And we've taught that to our women too, that when you're in a volatile situation of high emotions or ugliness or whatever, just start saying it under your breath. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you'll watch the energy just go. It's, I'm getting goosebumps because it's amazing. Everything is energy. And our good friend, Diana Kokoska, as you all know, if you're a KW agent, she said to me, Nikki, energy, everything is energy. She's a, she's a, a physics person. And she said, uh, energy is either transferred or transformed. Nothing else. It doesn't ever go away. So good energy, bad energy, it can be transferred or transformed. So I was the most powerful statement I had ever heard from somebody. And I remember that. So when energy is bad, it's ugly, it's mean, we have the power to transform it by being kind, loving, surrounding it with our love, and, and we can help to change that energy. Or we can just keep transferring it through ugliness, you know, um, and, and that's a choice. Yeah. Sorry, I could talk all day on this because I get so excited and I forgive me. <laughs> no, no, it's no, no, no. great. It is great. And um, we'll end here, but we right. want, I want to be sure that we, um, you sent me that Hawaiian, the book, mm -hmm. um, as a gift when I was on your podcast. So I want to be sure that we post a link to that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. One of my great friends who was also on the podcast, our our. I believe our second guest is a woman named Amber Hill, who's who lost her son to suicide oh. at 13. And she recently found that book. And I have oh. to tell you, Nikki, it's transforming. I mean, she she is now a transformer and a transfer of really good energy. She's also a Keller Williams agent. But oh, she's, um, I just want you to know that that book that you sent to me is it's beautiful. We're going to share it, but we're yes. also going to come back and talk about this some more at a later date. Does that work for you? I love it. And I wish you would share the, also the feelings buried alive, never die. Absolutely. Yeah, I have, a, I have a good list of, of books and everything we've mentioned. We're going to talk, but you had said that your doctor wrote a book too, and I didn't catch either it, his name his, or what the book His uh, book is called cancer is the symptom. Okay. Um, his name is Carlos Garcia, MD. Okay, I'll find that too and put yeah. it in here. So it, it all ties together. It does. It does. And and I guess the thing that I, I, you know, if there's one statement that you'd like to leave people with today, one piece that they can take away that's an action, some 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 piece that they could use this evening or tomorrow morning, what, what would you tell people to put in their toolbox? Okay. I think it's, it's a, a simple affirmation. Um, I think that we, that we can all, and we need to say this. Um, I completely love, accept and forgive myself. It's a statement that we should be saying every single day. Um, I love, I accept and I forgive myself. We have to forgive ourselves first before we can move forward and forgive others. And I know that we all have been hurt. We've all had trauma, some worse than others. And um, 
but a lot of times we blame ourselves and we say things like, well, I, I was to blame or I, and, and sometimes we, we did contribute. The sure. point is, is we can forgive ourselves because we can grow through this. And I just want women to know that, um, that they can be loved and they can love themselves, but they have to love themselves to give the most love that they've ever given out. Nikki, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life-Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry, that's me, and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at Life Saving Gratitude Pod. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. Mm-hmm.